Today we learn more about this step that we started last week. About this incredibly important function of the church. To take grace to our world. And as we opened last Sunday with reading of Acts chapter 1 verses 1 through 9, I would like to read through that again. You can turn in your own Bibles as well, if you would like to, or take a look at the screen up above. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. It says, I wrote the former account, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until he was, the day he was taken up to heaven. After he had given orders by the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, to the same apostles also, after his suffering, he presented himself alive with many convincing proofs. He was seen by them over a 40-day period and spoke about matters concerning the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he declared, Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here for what my father promised, which you heard about from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they gathered together, they began to ask him, Lord, Is this the time when you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? He told them, You aren't permitted to know the times or the periods that the Father set by His own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the farthest parts of the earth. After he said this, while they were watching, he was lifted up and a cloud hid him from their sight. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Do we understand what that means? Do we understand what it means that from the moment that you first trusted that Jesus Christ truly died, truly rose again, truly solved your problem of sin and death for you and gives you life that never ends from the moment that you first trusted that you had the Holy Spirit in you. You were sealed with Him. You were immersed in Him and He in you. Kind of, as we might, some of you might recall when I use that illustration, like if you have a a big jar or bowl of water and you take an empty cup and and you put it into it so that it is all the way inside that pool of water. So the cup is in the water and the water is in the cup. That is how closely you are identified with God through the Holy Spirit. And from the moment that you received that, you received power from Jesus. Power for what? 
What is the reason that we received this power from the Holy Spirit according to Jesus in these verses? The reason we received this, the reason that we are, the body of Christ is made to come together, the reason that you and I, from the moment we trusted in Jesus, were not simply instantaneously taken up to heaven to be in His presence away from this earth, but we remained here, the reason we have power and remain on this earth is to be witnesses of Jesus. Witnesses of Jesus. This is what the body of Christ is made to do. As we saw last week, the body of Christ is made, it is Created, it is intended to take the grace of Jesus Christ to the world as his witnesses. Not as lawyers. Some of us will look at this and say, oh, but if I witness to someone and they don't believe, then that must be my fault and, and I got to feel bad and shame for that. Well, you know, if, if you run up to someone yelling at them, you're going to go to hell if you don't believe in Jesus right now. That might leave a bad taste in their mouth. But we are not called. It is not our responsibility to make people believe. But we are called to be witnesses. And as we saw, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus tells us that we will be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Last week we took a look at the first of those three groupings, Jerusalem, and we saw that we might have an idea of telling people about Jesus someday. We might have an idea of some maybe grander plan of of where God will use us someday. But we are called to be his witnesses in Jerusalem. That is where the disciples were waiting for the Holy Spirit. Essentially, he told them, as soon as you have the Holy Spirit, start telling the people around you. Start telling the people around you. Witnessing begins with those that are close to you, with those people that you know. And that is important. And that is one powerful aspect of how and where we are to be witnesses. But the second place that we're going to be looking at today is where Jesus says, you will be my witnesses also in Judea and Samaria. Judea and Samaria. I don't think that we quite understand what it means. When we see Jesus tell his disciples they are to be witnesses not only in Judea, but also in Samaria. If you were a a Jewish person from that day, an Israelite, you would have known that there are two prominent places where people who believe in the God of the Old Testament would gather and where they all these people would all worship together every once in a while at the temple. And these two regions were Judea and Galilee. And you might have expected them to say that. But instead, Jesus picks the nearer neighbor than Galilee, Samaria. Why? Just because it's geographically close? Well, partly. But I think there's more. You see, in order to understand the enormity, the hugeness, 
the game-changing idea that Jesus was presenting to his disciples when he told them, you'll be my witnesses in Samaria, we need to understand the differences between Judea and Samaria and just how deep those differences went. You see, Israel once uh, existed as a single nation. Right? Under King David and Solomon, it was 12 tribes all united under a single king. Until Solomon's son came on, came down. And Solomon had taxed the people strongly in order to build the temple. And the others, when his son took the throne, he decided rather than lightening the load and making the people happy with him, he was going to make life even harsher for them and, and really, really just tax uh, the socks off of these people. And so in response, this king who came from Judah and the tribe of Benjamin, which was inside of that, landlocked inside of that larger tribe, faced a civil war of sorts when the other ten tribes all broke off together from Israel and formed their own nation. This northern nation called themselves the nation of Israel, and the smaller nation became the nation of Judea or Judah. This larger nation was more powerful than the smaller nation, but and they were more numerous and they were more wealthy. But while Judah the southern nation, had some good kings that followed Jesus, or not Jesus at that time, God. The larger nation had none. They all turned aside from God. And so they were judged when the first empire of the area, Assyria, came in and conquered that land. And as they did so, they did something to that land. They took people from the nation of Israel and spread them across the Assyrian Empire and took people from the rest of the Assyrian Empire and brought them in there. So this intermarriage would happen uh, between the peoples so that Israel would lose its cultural and national identity except as being part of the Assyrian Empire. God had told his people to remain pure, to stay only within that nation, not to mix with the other Nations, And so you can see how there is already not only this national division between the Judea and Samaria, as this nation became, there was also this ethnic difference. Because Judea, Judah would eventually be conquered by Babylon and people would be sent out there as well, but they would choose to remain the same. And by the time they came back, this nation remained, by their own understanding, much more purely Israelite. And when they reconstructed the temple and said all people can once more, for the first time in about a hundred years, come and worship at the temple in Jerusalem, when the people of this other nation, Samaria, said we will come too and worship, the people of Judah said, oh, I'm sorry, I don't think you're Israelite enough to be able to worship with us. We don't know for sure whether or not you are truly an Israelite, so you cannot worship at the same level as us. So this religious division began to form. To the point that the Samaritans actually responded by saying, well, 
We'll keep Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the, the original law from Moses, but all the rest of the Old Testament that speaks very strongly about worship in Jerusalem, we're just going to ignore the entire, that entire portion of the, the scriptures. And we will only focus on this, and we will worship God at this other mountain in our own land, and they had their own place. And so there was this division. The, when, when we read in John chapter 4 that the disciples were surprised to see Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman, for Judeans have no dealings with Samaritans, you don't know just how deep that division went in truth. These people were divided. They were enemies. They might not have been fighting, But for all that one might say, well, at least the Samaritans have some Israelite blood in them. To a Judean, Samaritans were worse than Gentiles. And yet Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria? And Samaria? How could that be? Jesus exemplified this himself. In John chapter 4, one of my very favorite passages of the whole Bible, it said that Jesus was ministering in Judea, Judah, And at one point, he decided he needed to head back to his home base in Galilee. And what the typical thing that most Galileans would do when they needed to travel down to Jerusalem or back, the shortest way would be to go straight, cut a straight line, right? But in order to avoid the land of Samaria, every good Judean Galilean would actually take about four to five extra days on their journey to, rather than making the straight line through the middle country of Samaria, they would cut across and go around it instead. That was standard. But it said that when Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, he had to go through Samaria. He had to. And when he went there, the disciples probably thought, well, let's just make this as quick as they can. They stopped in midday near a town. The disciples went in to just grab some food as quick as they could and get out before there was trouble. And when they came back, they found Jesus talking to a woman from the town, a Samaritan woman, a Samaritan woman. Oh, what was he doing? And then when she ran away at the sight of the disciples, they probably thought she was intimidated. But no, she was actually going to tell the entire town about Jesus. So the entire town would come back and hear about Jesus. And Jesus had to tell the disciples as they were just wanting him to eat and keep going, get through this land. Jesus said, no, we have to stop. We have to stay because don't you understand The fields are white for harvest. They are ready to be harvested. Just look. Look at the whole town coming. Do you think that if Jesus hadn't gone to Samaria himself, 
that any of the Galilean or Judean believers would have told any Samaritan about Jesus? I doubt it. I doubt it. Do you think that if Jesus had simply said in Acts 1.8, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth, that they would have thought that they would be speaking and sharing to the Samaritans and the Gentiles as well? I would say if Jesus said Jerusalem, the capital, Judea, the region of Israel around that and to the ends of the earth, they probably would have been thinking, you will tell all of the Jewish people that are spread across the world from various conquests, dispersed around the world. But by adding this one word, Samaria, with that one word, Jesus broke down boundaries. Jesus broke down boundaries. We saw that those boundaries being broken down. Let's go back a slide to see that in, in the book of Acts, once the church in Jerusalem had been persecuted, attacked by Saul, who would one day be the Apostle Paul, they dispersed across the vast area, and some of them went to Samaria. And partly, I believe, because Jesus went first, the Samaritans were ready to believe in the Messiah when they went. And when the apostles went, they received the Holy Spirit in the exact same way. The exact same way. To the same extent, to the same amount, with the same power to witness that the Israelites themselves had. How incredible is the grace of Jesus. We need to understand the power about this and what it means for our lives. We need to. If we're to understand what it means to follow Jesus in taking grace to the world. You see, Jesus made the greatest trip from heaven to earth to pay the greatest price. His own life, his own blood spilled, his own body broken. To offer the greatest gift, a life that will never end, to the greatest number of people. I don't often like to just say things like, where, who is your Samaria? But just as I did last week and asked, where is your Jerusalem? Who are those that are closest to you? We need to ask the question, who is your Samaria? 
When Jesus calls us to be witnesses of his grace, witnesses of his love, he doesn't tell us to to go to the people that we know the best, the people that are closest, the people that are easiest. Jesus looks at you and he looks at me and he says, who are those who are the most difficult to love? Who are those with whom there is division or struggle? Maybe someone that you know who has who knew that you trusted in Jesus and they have not trusted in Jesus. Not only do they say, I don't believe as you believe, they're actively antagonistic. And they say, I don't want you to talk to me about Jesus. I'm just not interested flat out. I don't want to hear it. Maybe there's people who just, for cultural reasons, they're different than you. Or maybe they come from a different ethnicity or nationality. Maybe, they, maybe they're on the opposite side of the political aisle from you. Oh, boy. <laughs> Democrats showing Jesus' love to Republicans and Republicans to Democrats. Oh, my goodness. Do we understand how deep the love of the Father is? Do we truly understand the depth of the price He paid for you and for me? Because if we do, then we also understand the depth of the love He has for that person for that group of people that you just don't feel comfortable around. And he says they need to hear about Jesus too. Taking grace to your world is in many different contexts, but as we've been talking through the steps about taking grace to your world, about grace on the faith path, we have understood about taking, understanding grace better, and we've talked about practicing grace with others. This, right now, I want you to especially focus on sharing the love of Jesus with those who have never heard before. That's why we're here. That's what we're called to do. If Jesus loved us so much that he could cross such boundaries. And if we're growing closer to him and growing in our love of him, ought not that love to be shared with all? Let's become little Christs. That's what Christian means. It was a name given in the book of Acts by one of the leaders of the Roman world. And he said, well, Paul was talking to this, this ruler. And his was, what, do you, do you want me to be one of these Christians? One of these little Christs, these little copy Jesuses. 
And from the moment that derogatory name was given to Christians, they glommed onto it and said, yes, that is exactly what I want to be like. Brothers, sisters, let's become little Christs that are witnesses of Jesus in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Jesus, what a beautiful thing your love is. How you love us. And because you love us so deeply, so well, so much, our hearts are spoken for. We, we are able to have this peace that we couldn't know apart from you. Because you crossed the boundaries of our sin and our brokenness and our shame and our death, our spiritual death. You crossed that and took that judgment that brokenness on Yourself. Jesus, we thank You so much. We love You because You first loved us. And we ask that You would work in our hearts and in our lives to change, to transform our hearts so that we will become little Christs to the world, witnesses of Your love, of Your grace, not only to those that are close, but also crossing boundaries to be people of your grace with those that might have been difficult because, Jesus, you broke down all barriers so that we can take your grace to everyone. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.